Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. We're continuing our series entitled 10 Ways to Avoid a Divorce. And particularly this time of year, you might subtitle it 10 Ways to Avoid a Post-Holiday Divorce. As I said in the first couple episodes, we are approaching the divorce season for lawyers, which is January through March. And January is known as the divorce month with a 27% surge in divorces. And right now in December, people are Googling information about getting a divorce. We wanna stop that because at least half the people who do get a divorce regret the decision and the children are often not fully considered in that there are long-term consequences from that. So we're gonna provide a handout that lists those 10 steps we're gonna be giving in this series. You can get that free, just send an email requesting it to askthehost at gmail.com. That's askthehost at gmail.com. And just remember, this is just simply a list But here at the Family Life Center, if you go to our website, dads.org, we have a get help section as well as a lot of resources, both on CD and MP3, that are for each of the 10 steps that we're going to be discussing that will help you avoid a divorce and, just as important, will help you help a friend or a family member prevent a divorce. Today, we're going to talk about something that you usually don't hear about when you talk about preventing divorce or strengthening marriage, and it's simply this, conversion or a faith awakening. Now, let me describe why this is so necessary. One of the chief problems in marriage is that you have a joining of two wills, and marriage problems erupt when there's a conflict between the two wills. You have two choices. If you're a guy, you would say, my will versus her will. If you're a wife, it's my will versus his will. And if that's the way the marriage goes, there's going to be endless, and I mean endless, marital conflicts as a result. So what does the faith offer for this root of marital conflict, and it's this. Christianity offers a new center for your marriage that becomes the primary point of unity. It's no longer my will versus her will or my will versus his will, but it's thy will be done. Not my will be done, but thy will be done and that God's will becomes the heart of a marriage. No, we're not perfect. No one is perfect in this life, but as Christian spouses grow in their faith and conformity to the will of God, they draw nearer to each other, and you eliminate the prime cause of the conflict of the wills, and we discover unity that's in Christ, and otherwise, It's a fruitless pursuit. Let me just tell you, if you're newly married, if you've been married a while, you know this. It's not new news. But it's a fruitless pursuit to try to get your spouse to conform to your will. 
Okay, that's not a winning game plan. The winning game plan is for both of you to conform to Christ's will. Well, what if my spouse isn't willing? We're going to be talking about some of that, but all this starts with you, not with your spouse, with you. Start conforming increasingly your will to Christ's will, and we see what God will do as a result of that. But I'm going to come back to conversion, and by conversion for a Catholic— baptized in infancy, you could almost term that a faith awakening. Now, if you were baptized as a baby, you were saved. You were definitively placed within the new covenant in a saving union with Jesus, and you received a remission of all sin, original and personal, although there's not much personal sin for an infant. But here's where things get a bit tricky with infant baptism. When you were a baby, you didn't embrace this gift of grace with your own will. And that's okay because God doesn't expect you when you're an infant to have a mature, conscious surrender of your will to his. But, and this is a very big but, and it's often missing in spiritual formation. But God expects that if you were given this great gift in infancy, that as you grow and mature in your understanding, and then your will becomes more independent as a person, you surrender that will to God in a very self-conscious decision. And that's what we call faith. Really, faith is putting your trust in God, trust in his loving grace for you, and trust in his will that it's the ultimate good for you. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm speaking now as a former Protestant pastor. One of the big beefs that Protestant evangelicals and fundamentalists have with mainline Protestants who baptize babies with there's only one or two evangelical denominations that baptize babies, and with Catholics and Orthodox who all baptize babies, it's right here because they see that if you baptize a baby, obviously a baby can't make this concrete surrender of a will, so they assume that, for instance, the Catholic faith teaches that you don't need to do that. It was all done for you as a baby. Well, see, there's a truth and an error here. The truth is it was all done for you as a baby, but as you grow, you give expression to that through a conversion experience, a surrender of your will, a faith awakening. There's several ways and words you can describe it as, but too often they look, say, at a Catholic who is depending on what happened in their infant baptism. They never grown up since then, and they say there's something wrong with that. Well, that's not true Catholicism, because what I'm going to share with you, this is a paragraph that's so incredibly important. In fact, you could almost say the next book I'm writing is framed around this paragraph. It comes from St. John Paul II in his apostolic exhortation entitled, on catechesis in our time. It's section 19. Now, 
this catechesis in our time is particularly talking about children and youth, but believe me, please believe me, this applies to adults every much as it does to youth because this isn't being done for youth. So guess what happens if youth grow up without what John Paul II is describing here? They go right into adulthood. They go right into marriage. And this is one of the fundamental things lacking in the Christian life. You'd say, Christian life isn't making any difference in my marriage. Well, listen, catechetical practice must allow for the fact that the initial evangelization has often not taken place. A certain number of children baptized in infancy, and he's being so modest and gracious and charitable here, a certain number, a huge mammoth number, that's just my PS, of large number of children baptized in infancy come for catechesis in the parish without receiving any other initiation into the faith and still without any explicit personal attachment to Jesus Christ. And again, this is one of the ways you define a conversion experience as a Catholic baptized in infancy. You could call it a faith awakening, or as John Paul II calls it, a personal attachment to Christ. A large number, I would say the vast majority of young people come to catechesis without this. And he says this, this is very important, They only have the capacity to believe placed within them by baptism and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Solution. This means that catechesis must often concern itself not only with nourishing and teaching the faith, but also with arousing it unceasingly with the help of grace, with opening the heart, with converting, and with preparing total adherence to Jesus Christ on the part of those who are still on the threshold of faith. This concern will in part decide the tone, the language, and the method of catechesis. There's a lot of parents listening to me right now. They have uh, older teens or young adults who have been given every opportunity of a great faith-filled family atmosphere, efforts to find solid parish, solid catechesis, Catholic education, their children walk away from the faith. And the reason they can walk away from the faith, the reason all that education doesn't stick, and so many today are mystified, and if you're a younger parent, listen to me right now. Don't, don't go through the years with regrets. There needs to be, in children baptized, what St. John Paul II calls an explicit, personal attachment to Christ. They have everything there by baptism. It's placed within them. They have the presence of the Holy Spirit, but it needs to be aroused. They need to be nourished so they can prepare to have a total adherence to Jesus on the threshold of faith. Now, I am going to share something in my personal life, and it's not because I want to talk about me. It is just my conviction that there's too much talk about the spiritual life in lofty philosophical terms that half the people listening don't have any idea what's being discussed, or totally abstract terms. And we're talking, if we're talking about a personal adherence to Christ, well, let's get personal for a second and let me describe 
my personal adherence to Christ. I was baptized as a baby, and uh, through the course of my teen years, uh, I blame it on the hot Florida sun, I just went nuts. And I was a huge headache to my parents, and I'm sure to God and my guardian angel, uh, I was an excedrin headache. And while I dropped out of college, getting a D plus average, and started searching for truth, I decided that after basically uh, trying every avenue of partying and drunkenness and all that other stuff, that uh, there had to be some meaning in life. I started Eastern religions and all of that type of thing. And I was thought I was doing just fine. And a personal kind of guru who wasn't a Christian, as far as I can tell, but told me to free my karma, to move up in reincarnation to higher forms of consciousness, I would have to explore the religion I was born into. And I tried to explain to my guru that there was absolutely nothing to Christianity. I tried that. I went to church as a child, went to Sunday school, went to catechism class. There's nothing to it. And he said, okay, but if you're real, okay. So I started reading the Bible. And um, it wasn't a good experience for me because when I was practicing like new age Eastern religions, you know, I thought I was just doing fine and dandy. I thought I was going up to the heights of spiritual life. And I read the New Testament. I go, oh, my, you know, you know, I just would read it and know how much trouble I was in with God because I wasn't living his ways. And I I would just read it as much as I could until I couldn't take anymore. And then I close it. Not to the fact that I didn't deny it was true at that point, but I just couldn't take it because Honestly, I was kind of concerned <laughs> how I was standing with God that I, I could only expose myself to the truth for so long, but I kept going at it. And one night, I uh, decided that I was going to get real serious with God. Uh, we were going out to sea early the next morning before dawn. I remember that. And I asked God in a very serious way, I was going down a long list that I had prepared uh, as a result of, of reading uh, the Bible and becoming conscious of a lot of my sins. I had a very long list. I just went down the list and was confessing all those sins. And, and then I got towards the end and, you know, a, a lot of men can relate to what I'm saying right now. Um, a lot of boys, when they start getting older, and particularly as they hit their teen years and early 20s, they can have some pretty severe conflicts with their father. And what is that? Just like marital conflict, it's the exact same thing. It's a conflict of wills. And I had that with my dad, and I was confessing that to God. And right then, you know, I had a great enlightenment. A lot of people have great enlightenments about all these great, wonderful things. My enlightenments are usually over how bad my sins were. And at that moment, when I was confessing my sin against my dad, God showed me that the attitude and intent of my heart, yes, it was against my dad, but ultimately it was against God himself. And 
when I saw that, I basically broke and I knew that God couldn't love me. God couldn't forgive me. And uh, that was it. I went to bed. We were getting up before dawn. I woke up the next morning and my life has never been the same since. My faith was awakened. And, you know, I didn't know what had happened to me, but I woke up knowing deeply and profoundly that God loved me and that he forgave me and that he accepted me and I was his son. Even though I had strayed and gone the wrong way, he had accepted me back because I had asked. And, you know, I have um, actually gone back and uh, researched my ship's log to try to determine when exactly we went out to sea that morning. And I can't say for certainty, but the best that I can tell, and it's a guess, but the best that I can tell, that event happened on my baptism anniversary. What had happened to me in the Navy was an awakening of what I was given in baptism that I had walked away from, and I had a need of growing up. You know, what my parents did on my behalf, I was grateful for, but it was up to me to embrace that and get serious about that. So I, looking back now, this is actually, there's been a lot of thought I've given over my life to this. And here are just three simple dynamics that I think really helped awaken my baptism. And again, my conflict with God was ultimately, it was just surfaced in my conflict with my dad. And if you're having conflicts in a marriage, uh, that's the surface of a deeper conflict of will. And what sin does is makes our wills very selfish. My will be done. That's what sin does for us. And conversion references that. It makes a new center of our lives. But anyhow, here's there's three dynamics. One, I read the Bible as much as I could. I told you, um, I was thinking I was ascending to new heights of reincarnation and everything else. So I read the New Testament. I go, oh, my, you know, I'm in trouble. And I close a thing. And I thought, well, you know, it does seem true. So I go back and I read the Bible as much as I could take and kept at it. And I can't offer that enough. If you want to grow up in your faith, if you want to move past infancy in your Catholic faith, and you want it to apply so that you don't have intergalactic conflict of wills in your marriage or in your life or in your relationships or with your employer or whatever else, then read that Bible, okay? Number two, and this is something that you might think of when you go to confession, and a really good confession, which was actually our second step in this whole series here, There's a verse uh, out of Psalm 51. It's the great psalm of confession of sin by the King David in the Old Testament. And he says this, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. That was Psalm 51 and verse three. That was my long list of things that I had done to offend God. But then the next verse, I think this is the verse that really changed my life. Verse 4 says, Against thee, thee only have I sinned, 
and done what is evil in thy sight. You see, the insight that I got, and it was profound, and it wasn't anything I was even aware of. Remember, my conflict with my dad was ultimately a conflict of wills with my heavenly father. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. And I was confessing my sin as it surfaced, so to speak. And you need to confess those. But when you're confessing sin, you need to also get to beneath the surface, to the level of the will. And if you want to change your marriage, you want to change your relationships, you want to awaken your relationship with God against thee, thee only have I sinned. That's the second step. Read the Bible. Know your, in your confessions, your transgressions are ultimately against God. And then number three, I got to a place in my spiritual life where I could say, God couldn't possibly forgive me or love me. Um, priest friend, I mentioned that everybody comes to confession and says, I'm really a good person, you know. And when I was in the Navy by my bunk confessing those sins, I got to the point where I truly, really believed that I was past salvation. I was past forgiveness. I was past receiving or deserving or hoping for God's love. And really, that is the point where heaven opened for me. I mean, opened. And you can go and sit in a pew and warm it and say, I'm going to sit here so I can go to heaven. That's not the Catholic life. That's nothing to do with Christianity. That's just being a bump on a log. You want to have a vibrant, personal attachment to Jesus. It's time to grow up. And one of the things that causes supreme marital conflicts is this conflict of wills. But remember, that's the surface. Beneath that, there's so often a conflict of my will versus thy will be done. Read the Bible. Know that ultimately your sins are sins against God himself, not just against others. And then three, get to the point where you don't justify yourself. I'm not acceptable to God because I do this or that. Forgive me, Jesus. I don't deserve your love, but I'm asking for it. And that's called faith. And you will receive God's love in return. Now, I'm going to share something with Catholics that you're going to think I'm a heretic here. Uh, We shouldn't allow these former evangelicals on the air. I knew it. Here it comes. Yes, I'm going to share something that... uh, Billy Graham came up with. Billy Graham was going in 1986 to hold a crusade in France, and he knew that this was a country rich in Catholic culture, and he wanted to respect the graces of infant baptism. So during a meeting with Pope John Paul II, Billy Graham ran by Pope John Paul II how he would frame an altar call. And the altar call from Billy Graham was a call to faith awakening, a conversion experience, a personal attachment with Christ, however you define it. But you see, these things are the things that change your life. Personally, I don't think I would have been married for 40 years, and I I really mean this, if it wasn't for that experience in the Navy, that faith awakening. It changed me. It gave me a new center of my life. And I'm certainly not perfect, but my wish, my will is thy will be done. I stumble and fall, but that's, that's the core of it. So in any case, this is the altar call 
that John Paul II approved for Billy Graham to give to Catholics in France. Maybe you were baptized as an infant, but you feel like you've lost touch with those vows that were made long ago. Come forward and claim those baptism vows as your own. How beautiful is that? In other words, it's not, quote, getting saved in a Protestant sense that because you're infant baptized, you don't believe exactly like the evangelical preacher says, you're, you're not a Christian. That's false. You are saved. You're in covenant. Your original sin is totally removed through infant baptism. But it's like a wonder, not a bad bomb, but a wonderful bomb ready to explode. But God is waiting for you to own it, make it your own. You know, I know one priest in the United States that every Christmas and Easter, he takes five minutes and gives an opportunity for his parish to hear an altar call like Billy Graham gave in France, and that's Father Larry Richards. He was converted under Billy Graham. And why do you think so many Catholics were, quote, converted under Billy Graham? Well, it wasn't really Billy Graham's theology, and I love Billy Graham, but it wasn't his theology. It wasn't his Protestant background. You know what it really was? It was just calling Christians to wake up and embrace their faith, exactly what Pope John Paul II called folks to. So a conversion experience is what we are looking for. And here's what Pope Benedict said about faith. It's not a matter of believing certain things are true. You're not a, a fact gatherer about religion. That's, that's not what makes a vibrant Christian and a centered will that can change your marriage. It's above all a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an encounter that gives new energy to the whole of our existence. It will give new energy to your marriage. So I'd like to close off today's broadcast with a prayer that Billy Graham challenged the Catholics in France with. And you can pray along with me. Jesus, I was given the grace of baptism as an infant. I feel like I may have lost touch with those vows that were made long ago. Lord, I come to you now claiming those baptism vows as my own. Fill my heart with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 218 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.